to start this pod, we should do a sweary warning because when we went to Wembley, Progress asked us if we're going to do podcasting about them to add a little yeah. warning at the beginning. So would you like to do this sweary warning? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the World of Wrestling podcast. You got the name right! Oh, no, yay! <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we'll be covering content from Progress Wrestling. We will. There may be times throughout this podcast where there may be levels of profanity used that may not be suitable for young ears. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Nicely done. Yeah, thanks very much. That was good. (laughs) All right, cool. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, sir? So, I've had a bit of a nightmare car journey coming right. over here. Okay. A uh, bit of a long-winded story. Um, I was listening to Bischoff's podcast 83 weeks earlier in the week, and he was speaking about HLA and when he was doing that in his first year in WWA. What's HLA? Hot Lesbian Action. Oh, okay. Um, and then I started thinking... <laughs> that, totally over my head. <laughs> for some reason, I started thinking, oh, Tattoo, when they did that song, All the Things She Said. Yeah. So, I added it to a Spotify playlist to listen to. I thought, oh, that's an all right song. But annoyingly, on my drive over, for some reason, my phone fell off the dashboard and it just kept looping that song for the whole journey here. <laughs> so I just had Tattoo on one song playing for 20 minutes. You've just been listening to Tattoo over and over and over for again. For 20 minutes, the same song. Oh, the thing she said. Oh, the thing she said. Oh, the thing she said. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, that's that's not a good thing. Uh, it could be worse. Could have is, been is Last it... Ketchup. <laughs> Don't be dissing Last Ketchup. Uh, <laughs> are you going to take it off your playlist now? I am now, yeah, definitely. Okay, now cool, it's just cool. going to be Little Mix. <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> all right so uh we've done the public sweary warning uh today we are doing progress chapter 20 thunder bastard beyond thunder bastard it's from sunday the 26th of july 2015 so two and a bit years before that we're recording this today and uh, three and a bit years three and a bit years i know numbers shut up <laughs> and we're at the electric ballroom in camden a home of progress at this point i think yeah this is an interesting time in progress this is um one of the points where progress suggests that if you're new to the product, this is a good starting point. If you're not going to start from the beginning, mm. um, and as some of you may know, that progress uh, uh, points out particular chapters when, if you're not overly familiar with the product, it's a good time to start watching. It's like the end of a long sort of chapter of their uh, their progress story. So this is coming at the tail end of the Jimmy Havoc Will Osprey feud. Yeah, uh, from when Havoc won the belt, I think it was like six hundred nine or six hundred nineteen days prior to this. Six hundred nine, yeah. Six hundred nine days prior to this event. Yeah, absolutely, um, and that's why we chose it. It seems a really interesting one for progress. We've been pretty much with progress every step along the way. I watched from the very beginning. Uh, well, not as it was released, but later on, I obviously went yeah. back and watched num- episode number one. I grew up in Highbury, so the garage is just down the road from me. Like it's very much my home promotion almost, and they've been amazingly good to us by taking us to Wembley and going backstage for their show and getting to sit in and all these amazing interviews and such. Like they've been really lovely to us. They've retweeted two of our podcasts <laughs> now. <laughs> I was going to ask you about sort of your history and your knowledge of progress in the the grand scheme of things of indie wrestling. Yeah. So obviously this is back in two thousand and five. Would you say this is when two thousand fifteen? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. One all. Um, would you say that this is when the up curve in popularity of British wrestling really started to get going? Because obviously, I was aware of progress at this time. I wasn't aware of people like Fight Club Pro. I wasn't aware of ICW. But I think it's because of my proximity to London. In this case of right progress, this is an indie, like upstart DIY promotion. Yeah. So um, 
one of the reasons I've always thought that Progress became so popular is they were one of the first people to really use Twitter effectively in terms of wrestling promotion. They would get out there, they would get like basically go around and follow everyone that had some sort of wrestling information on their account somewhere. And then Briley would go and send messages to people. I remember listening to him on a podcast recently, Flash Morgan Webster, two of your favorite people in the world together on one podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Get Charvo in there. It's a triple threat. <laughs> uh, and listening to him talk about how he would constantly try and use Twitter to be effective and get promotion. And that's how I first found out about them, was I remember seeing the Progress logo before I read anything or saw any actual wrestling. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I remember seeing this sort of winged being mm. just appear on my inbox, as you said, and Briley's basically messaging people. It's like, got to show up in London, got this, got that. Yeah. And it does show again how the influence of social media has really helped build british wrestling in this century yeah and this decade even so to speak i think it's one of the most important elements of uh indie wrestling becoming more popular yeah i'd agree Uh, at the same time do you think the big boys like wwe for example have lost viewership because a lot of their old hardcore viewer base is watching more indie wrestling or do you think that hardcore viewer base will still watch wwe no matter what i think the hardcore viewer base will still watch wwe however the more adult fans, the more long in the two fans who've seen it for so long. Now, WWE essentially has the best indie promotion on their roster in NXT, because that's essentially what it is. They, you look at their roster and it's undeniable. Well, that's what it is. They refused to sign indie wrestlers for so long. Mm. And then Triple H got involved and saw how much buzz was coming out of these indies. Because again, this is around 2015, the time that NXT was its own brand, started running decent takeover shows. And you'll also notice as time progresses, because obviously progress had guests on their show mm-hmm. I think this is the turning point for progress where they had enough traction to be able to attract people like Chumper down because this was uh, 15 chapters later or 16 chapters later when we needed to go to Brixton for we need a bigger room again roughly yeah um, and they were having bigger stars as outsiders come in to wrestle their homegrown talent yeah true it's, it's, it's weird in that progress was definitely built on the back of British wrestlers and they made a point about that early, saying that we use British guys and we don't just do international showdown type import shows and such. Um, and so for them to come and eventually use Americans and Australians, and New Zealanders and such, bringing them across and the European guys as well. Um, I think that was a really good move. I think diversity in wrestling is really, really important, as I'm sure you agree. Yeah, definitely. In that you need these different characters and different backgrounds and perspectives of wrestling to make the show interesting. And so I'm really happy they did this and bringing all these people in and as you say, like to have those different talents and stuff like Champa, like Tommy End and all these people coming in, I think really, really benefited this product. Yeah, definitely. And also Progress aren't afraid to try new things, which again, why yeah. I keep going back because things like Freedom Road, where they've mm. essentially filmed this docu-soap with involving wrestling, whether it's anyone's cup of tea or not, I quite enjoyed it because that, it, that's my sort of thing I enjoy. But other like hardcore wrestling fans I know are a bit like, oh, this is really cheesy. But it's something different and they're trying something new. And I'm happy you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch it after I watch Total Bellas. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the show a little bit. So we got opening shots of the crowd chanting, this is progress, as you would maybe expect from a progress of show. Course. That chant is solidified this company in the, the realm, the elms of pro wrestling past, you know? Would you say, as well as we talk about the crowd, and again, we've seen stuff from ICW online, we've seen some of the bigger British promotions. Yeah. Who would you say, at the moment, is the top British promotion? Progress. You wouldn't say ICW? No, Progress. I, the only reason why I throw out that, and I agree with you, yeah. uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, because obviously they go to the Hydro 
ICW do every year yep. and do huge numbers there. I know obviously Progress did Wembley and did just under 5,000. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you to the sense that Progress are clearly the biggest ones because I hear rumblings that they're involved in helping book NXT UK. I've heard things like that. I found no actual physical evidence of any sort of that or anyone mentioning on a podcast. So I don't know how legitimate that is. But in terms of um, ICW and Progress, ICW, I think, is... As popular as it is, I think it's quite niche. It's ECW style, isn't it? Yeah. It will have its core fans. It's like if you follow the band Tool, you know Tool. If you don't follow ICW, like people who didn't follow ECW, that's their promotion. They stay very, very loyal to it. They won't really branch out too far from their hometown promotion. And I think when Progress first started especially, they tried to base it in that Oh, it's more more New Japan than All Japan, but it's definitely a Japanese strong style. They're yeah, basing their product. Definitely, in. I think that that's changed over time. I still think they go for high spot indie wrestling with a lot of strong style thrown in. I don't think they're a strong style company anymore. It's definitely evolved, hasn't it? It's more entertaining, more entertainment kind of levels. You know, you go there now to be sports entertained, don't you? To an extent, like the wrestling, I think is on a par, if not significantly better than a lot of other indies, um, mainly because they've got such a high level of talent on their roster. But at the same time, they're very loyal to guys that they know they can tell stories with that probably won't be going to the Fed anytime soon. I agree with that as well. Mm, indeed. We're here for whom the bell tolls. Which is awesome. And Jim Smallman enters the ring. Uh, he's wearing the Black Flag Progress shirt. You know the one I mean? Yeah, very nice. I'm very jealous. I wish I'd bought this when it was out, like with the four chairs and the black flag yeah. logo. Badass. Really, really cool. Which prompts me to think that maybe we should start doing spoof t-shirts for our podcast. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Like old CM Punk ones, but just with the World <laughs> Wrestling <laughs> Podcast and the cross and stuff. Yep. I'm on board. Oh, yeah. I would really I'll get tempted. Get my pens and pencils out after the yeah. pod. Oh, what's the old, uh, the old Austin shirt where it says in the back, like with the Austin 360 on the front, it says, I just whooped your ass or whatever. Yep. <laughs> just, I just talked your ass off. I don't know. <laughs> Which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> well, we're trying at least. <laughs> All right. So there's lots of chanting. We get the crowd going, Smallman section. And then the other one goes, Briley section. And my instant reaction is, please shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let's get on with the wrestling. Yeah. I also like the fact that Smallman at this stage goes, well, I know which side's going to win because I'm going to orchestrate that I definitely win. Yeah. <laughs> he makes really good light of it. There is a conversation here between the crowd and jim where they're talking about chanting i'm like come on man if there's one thing that people constantly say to me at least about progress that's a negative is that they're they're not involved in the action as much as they are as getting themselves over and chanting and such yeah and that's become the fans mm, point yeah I didn't that, say the word fans there sorry sorry <laughs> yeah i agree the fans i mean we didn't notice at wembley because obviously it's a bigger crowd mm-hmm. but i've noticed at recent chapter shows there is a lot more of essentially the progress ultras they dub themselves the Progress Ultras, who yep. want to see themselves essentially as a 12th man of a football team. We're, we're in the ring. We're part of this match. We're making this match. It's like, well, no, cheer for the good guys. Boo for the bad guys. Do your chance. But when you mess up your own chant and you start your own chant of, we effed up, we effed up, which as funny as that is, glad you did it before all the wrestling started, but fan chanting for out shows we've covered on various pods. Necessary in some parts, but don't do it to get yourself over. You're not funny. Yeah, I, I've made little notes of chants as we've gone through to try and either emphasize the point or de-emphasize the point as we'll go through. We can discuss whether they're appropriate or not to the time and the match and everything. Okay, okay. right. So um, Jim Smallman, watching him doing his intros every week or every time Progress have a show, he seems genuinely like the nicest man in the fucking world. 
Like, we've seen him in person talking before Wembley. Like, is, is he the nicest man in pro wrestling? Yeah. And I think I, I've briefly touched on this on a previous pod as well, that I sent him a message, just DM through Twitter, just asking for some commentary advice and mm. hints and tips. And he responded, here's a man who's dealing with people like Paul Levesque in WWE, and he's got the time to respond to, for probably in his mind, some dickhead Mark who, <laughs> who thinks he's going to do commentary. Oh, don't put yourself down. But... <laughs> he's always open he'll always yeah, talk yeah. to people he'll always talk to fans in the crowd he always has time for everyone even when we're at um, Ali Pali for um, for Chase the Sun mm. he clearly wanted to go into his ring introductions but people kept coming and say oh hi Jim nice to meet you thanks very much and he'd give them every second he had yeah and I, even standing outside that show at, um, sorry at the show at Brixton standing outside he came up and he shook the, fr- the hands of some people he'd obviously known from previous shows or whatever and I was standing right next to him I didn't want to bother him or anything because I imagine he had a lot on his mind at that point but he was definitely kind of checking to make sure there wasn't other people he knew immediately around there or people that wanted to come say hello. You know, it wasn't looking for attention. It wasn't, it was just... Looking after those who've looked after progress. Yeah, like giving a shit, I think is the easiest yeah. way to put it. He gives a shit. He really does. Which is very refreshing from a promoter to do that. Yeah, and the fact that he's mentioned on commentary a few times recently that he's now made this a full-time job almost. Yeah. And that they don't have to do, go and do comedy on the road and such. You yeah, know, he's, given, he's given up his stand-up for now. He's taken like, a little bit of a sabbatical from that. Yeah, like I, I ran some numbers about if you had 700 people at a show and you were charging roughly 15 to 30 quid. And you're making decent numbers every show now. Like, that's really, really good. I like how they've obviously got one guy's very good at being front of house, Jim Smallman, to being the face of the company. One guy's very good at being the back of house kind of thing, like running the technical side, doing a lot of the booking. And one guy's very good at the acting, kind of theatrical storytelling element, don't Glenn? Yeah. And so that trio of people seems to work really effectively. And they joke about having arguments all the time and such, but it, it works. Yeah, it's a great creative trio. Yeah. there's no weak link for the three for what they want to do for that promotion. I wonder if they feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Glenn. No more jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jim in the ring announces that because unforeseen circumstances, Dave Mastiff is not here today. Any idea what these circumstances uh, were? No, I tried to have a look online. Me too. Find them. No, me neither. Uh, I wondered whether, because he lives in the, the Midlands, that maybe it was flooded out, because I know it's happened before with guys like Styx and I think yeah. Mastiff as well. But this was July, I think, this show. Yeah. So probably not. Not that flooding in the black country in July. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, um, so he's been replaced by Pastor William Eva, or Pastor William Eva, I think I should say. First chant of the night Go during on. this, when they announced that Pastor's going to be taking part, um, the crowd started chanted, chanting, he's working on the Sabbath, which <laughs> I thought was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well done. That's very good. There's a couple of William Eva chants, which are definitely yeah. funny. Um, uh they also announced they've got a new commentary team today that are going to be doing live commentary. So Jimmy Barnett is no longer going to be doing commentary. Who Because may... he was shit, quote <laughs> Jim Smallman. <laughs> who might sound fairly similar to Jim Smallman. <laughs> 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 it's interesting that he literally has obviously decided he's no longer going to do it or someone said something. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I'd assume it's just cases of the product evolves. They wanted two-man team and evolve and possibly get one of these two involved a bit more in the product. I think you'll agree that doing live commentary, you get more of a genuine reaction to what's happening and surprise. Like you definitely sound more happier doing live commentary than you did doing it post. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with me doing post commentary, I was doing it either in my office at home, trying not to wake my daughter, or in my car on a lunch break in a car park in Canterbury with people walking past me as I'm shouting at my laptop going, <laughs> what a manoeuvre! <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, definitely. That must be surreal. 
Yeah, and as you said, you can react to it more. Um, sometimes that's a negative because you're looking at it going, armbar. Armbar. It's an armbar. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, do you feel about being at shows and having people sitting so close to you they can blatantly hear what you're saying and uh, you doing your commentary? I was worried the first time I did it and now I don't care. Just, just don't give a shit. No, because I think for the uh, for the bigger shows, obviously for the recent tapings we've done, there's people pretty much stood next to me while I'm doing commentary or stood behind me. Yeah. For the live event shows that we do, um, the the named shows, so to speak, not for the YouTube content. Um, I'm far enough back that if people hear me, I'm clearly shouting or they're sitting too close. Cool, cool. Okay. And you know they're paying a ticket; they're getting double the entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just something I've thought about being at shows and watching you in the corner because occasionally I can hear you out the corner of my ear. But yeah. every show I've been to where you've been commenting, I've been on the other side of the ring. I was going to say, it's worrying if you're on the other side of the ring, you can hear me going, "Ah, oh, <laughs> only a, only a tiny bit. Like, I have no idea what you're saying, but you can hear anyone. Like you could hear anyone talking in that room. Yeah. It's not like you know an arena-sized room. It's an Yet. indie wrestling-sized <laughs> room, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, so uh, the commentary team are Glenn Joseph and RJ Singh, who I'm a big fan of, both of them. I, I love Glenn's commentary. My missus is not so much of a fan. She's occasionally gone, why is that man screaming? <laughs> <laughs> and I think RJ Singh is a stalwart of the British scene. Absolutely great on commentary. I really enjoy this. Yeah, yeah really good great. dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, and we have one rule of progress, and that rule is this. Buy merch. I mean, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at this point, uh, referee Joel Allen comes out to the ring, and uh, at this point, I'm just like, thank you very much for cutting your hair, because this balding high-top thing he's got going at this point, yeah, it doesn't work for him at all. I'm a fan as a balding man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so our first match is Noam Dar against what was meant to be Dave Mastiff, who's been replaced by Pastor William Eva. So, um, immediately Dar comes out, and I notice he's got slogans all over him. He's got, do I want to know on the back of his trunks? He's got, come as you dar on the back of his jacket. And then ND7 on his trunks, which is Cristiano Ronaldo 7. Yep. Like, yeah. S- t- two Cristiano Ronaldo gimmicks in this oh, yeah. show, <laughs> which is impressive. So let's talk about Bill Eva a little bit. Um, th- I'm assuming you've got that pun, by the way. Yeah. William Eva, Bill Eva, Bill Eva. Bill Eva. Yeah. yeah, he's religious type. Yeah. So have you seen, at this point, he's um, very much a religious figure semi-Jesus, semi-kind-of-like vicar-pastor sort of character. Have you seen his new gimmick recently? No. Okay, so I only caught it because we were at the um, the Halloween show, Pumpkin Spice Progress, and um, he comes out and he's basically doing um, an evangelical-style oh jesus is coming the day is good the day is here oh, really you know? <laughs> like like the guy who used to stand out the tube station yeah. at camden like i fucking love it i think this is the gimmick change he needs it's it's modern it's interesting it can be funny it can be really heelish and serious like i'm absolutely chuffed with this new gimmick so i'm, I'm interested to see what yeah. you think when you eventually see it but i thought i'd bring it up i enjoyed during uh pastor's walk to the the ring where one person in the crash went Fuck you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to those chants, eh? So um, I'm very, very happy that the way that uh, Noam Dar is introduced in the ring introductions is called from the tap end of a champagne supernova from a galaxy far, far, far away. away. It's like, how many references can you drop in one introduction? <laughs> it's like David Starr before David Starr. Well, David Starr has lots of statements, not necessarily like quirky references. I mean, he is very good at Twitter. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> We've got the top end of Stevenson, which is obviously Grado. Champagne supernova, which is his kind of obsession with Oasis. And then the galaxy far, far away, which is obviously his obsession with Star Wars. All in one sentence, you're like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, that's yeah. I came very close to buying his Dar Wars T-shirt when I saw it on eBay the other oh, week. Oh, tempting! Very, very tempting. So the chance, the chance begin, 
And the crowd go, let's go, Jesus. Jesus sucks. <laughs> Which gets booze from a portion of the audience. And then they do a, they, uh, do a handshake. They pull in on the handshake and they kind of... Uh, Noam Dar is forced to prayer with his hands, yeah. which I thought was kind of funny because then Noam Dar kind of steps back and goes, I'm Jewish, homeboy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking great. Um, I, at this point, I'm again, I'm genuinely enjoying the commentary. It's a little calm at times. I'm not quite getting you hyped up. I think this is obviously their first time on commentary for live for progress. Like we're expecting a little bit of nerves. Um, but I thought it was quite refreshing. Yeah, I thought it was informative, logical. And I like the way they were calling it like a, like a sport. Yeah, they weren't calling it as like a TV show entertainment. They were talking about what they can do to win the match, how they're going to win the match. And I think that's where RJ really came into his own as well. It's that he's doing this because of this. If he does this, this will happen. It was very, very logical in how he delivered his lines as well. Absolutely. I mean, I have no problem with the current kind of like crop of uh, progress uh, announcers. I would love to see RJ sing back in there again. I'd love to see Tex Williams in there. Oh yeah, absolutely, mate. I'll give you a shot. I'll give you a shot. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're on one of these Endeavor shows or something. You know? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> well, if you want to book that, John Briley. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to retweet this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Snow Amdar locks in the Champagne Super Knee Bar, which is the greatest oh, fucking name it. for a move ever. Uh, Dar misses the double stomp. Uh, get a strike exchange and lots of combinations and reversals and such. Dar hits a combo, rolls into the corner, stands up, turns around, and a big lariat, or what do you call it? It's the uh, clothesline from heaven. There you go, by William Eva for the one, two, three. And your Willie. Um, and your Willie? Willie your Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the introduction. Your winner is Pastor William Eva. Um, so surprisingly, the commentators sound genuinely shocked when he wins. Yeah, I think because. Again, he was a last-minute replacement for Mastiff. And Dar was the biggest star at the time. And obviously, they knew he was on his way out from this That's stage. The thing. So, Dar comes back into the ring. He holds up a Progress Chapter 1 shirt, which he was on. Then waves goodbye. His last Progress match. So, Noam Dar was here from day one in Progress. He was in the little tournament to try and get into that main event to win the belt or whatever. Or stuff or whatever it was at that time. Um, he's been fairly regularly in Progress up until this point. Um and I think is one of the most charismatic wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. I would agree with this. And for someone so young as well, because this thing, because he's been around for so long, people don't actually realize kids in his early 20s. Yeah. I remember being at a very, very poorly attended show in Sittingbourne for IPW or Ref Pro. It was in that transitional phase. Where they changed from one to the next. And there was maybe 30, 40 people in the crowd. It wasn't a great turnout at all. But this little Scottish kid came out to Oasis. And the moment he stepped through that curtain, I was like, it's fucking Shawn Michaels. Like, yeah. he's buzzing with charisma. Like, he's ready to go. He's hyped. He's confident. He's cool as anything. Um, he's also jacked as fuck now as well in the WWE. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, was, I thought it was a bit of a shame this wasn't versus Mastiff, as they've had a really good rivalry going into this match. But both guys are now in WWE NXT UK. So hopefully we'll see a decent feud between them at some point. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Our next match is Wild Boar Mike Hatchman uh, versus Bubblegum versus Carl Ashmore versus Flash Morgan Webster. Um, Ashmore has a pro beard entrance theme. I'm obviously on board. <laughs> we both are. Mine's very wispy at this point, but I love a beard. It's growing in beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> is his gimmick just that he has a beard? And he strokes it. Okay, cool. Okay. I don't remember this at all. No, me neither. No, it's totally, completely lost my memory or whatever. 
Um, so we get Wild Boar enters to the Mad Capsule Markets MIDI Surf. Uh, Mad Capsule Markets are one of my top five bands ever. So I'm very, very happy about this. I presume you have very little opinion. I have very little opinion on them. I remember one of their songs being on Kerrang! in like the early 2000s. But my, my only thought of Wild Boar is, he looks a little bit like a Welsh Sammy Callahan. <laughs> I guess he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Bubblegum enters to, um, he's just a rascal. A dizzy rascal. He's just a, a rent boy. A dizzy rent boy. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> stop ruining that song for me. Uh, he's wearing a Manx City shirt. He loves Manx City because he's in London and apparently we're meant to hate Manchester City. Yeah. Clever. Yep. Cool. Local sports team reference. Awesome. <laughs> Wee. So Bubblegum is absolutely ripped and super over as a heel in this match. Um, I, I'm, I'm think it's a shame he's not around more to be totally honest no for someone who's been around since sort of early 2000s i think sort of 2004 might have been his debut in pro wrestling he's very good in the ring you still see him pop up all across british indies and such but but i think the problem for bubblegum is very much of i'm a good in-ring talent but what's his character yeah i mean he was cheeky lovable kind of face as a younger man but then kind of developed into this kind of nasty chavvy sort of heel character yeah and he is super over as a heel at this point but maybe there's not enough uh, development there to write for it's interesting if you think of how as a heel he was viewed then in comparison to the sort of character that zach gibson is now yeah i'd say they're fairly similar but Zach, but Zach Gibson seems to have taken it to that next level. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see what Zach Gibson's next step is. I know this is a bit out of left field considering what we're talking about right now, but um, yeah, I, I like Gibson. I think he has a lot of potential. I think he's very over as a heel in WWE, especially right now, and Progress always has been. And one of their consistent heels as well. Yeah, definitely. A lot of flip-flopping on Progress. and uh, <laughs> I like a consistency. I like a consistency. Why did I say under the Catalia? I like a consistency. <laughs> All right. So uh, basically, the match breaks down to Boar and Ashmore in the ring about who has the better beard. Uh, Ashmore does a spinny over the top rope kind of like tornado, I think they call it in Mexico, outside, out to the outside and completely lands on the floor really, really hard. Um, I wasn't sure whether he wasn't caught or whether he fucked it up. I'm going with the latter. Let's just uh, move on, shall we? <laughs> so Bob Bubblegum does this awesome handspring double boots to the face of Webster, which I just yeah, it was absolutely killer. But then Webster significantly oversells it, in my opinion. He does like you know the double take thing, like what, what, what? He does about six of them. Yeah, but this is my general gripe with Flash Morgan Webster mm. is I always say that you tell stories in the ring with your facial expressions and your eyes. He looks like someone's just gone, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. I think it's still something he does today as well. There's a couple of times recently where I've been like, mm, I feel like you're a little too cheesy. Yeah. And that that's the thing with um, with Flash Morgan. There's no denying he is an athletic, a very talented in-ring hand. Yeah. There's a shitload of positives. Yeah. It's just not for me. Yeah. So, same for me. I understand why he's got a huge following. Mm. And this isn't to be a knock on him because, again, all the stuff he does, I certainly couldn't do. A lot of people couldn't. But from my standpoint, for what I like from wrestling, his character, unless it was to be a heel and do those things to piss me off. I absolutely think he should be a heel. Um, then for me, it just doesn't work. Hmm. Even as a heel, I find him very tweener-ish. I don't give him the time of day. Okay, fair enough, man. Uh, just, just, for, just my personal preference. Yeah, it's cool. We get a four-way striking standoff between the four combatants in the ring. Um, the audio levels suddenly then just completely go all over the place. Uh, the crowd noise completely drops down. The commentary gets way too loud. And uh, this brings me on to one of my talking points for today, uh, progress production. Um, I like how it's punk rock, 
grassroots, that sort of thing. I remember when I first saw progress starting, I remember seeing the editing and going, I don't think this is up to a standard that I'd like it to be as a video editor. I think I'm allowed to say this sort of stuff. Um, and I remember sending them a message. I think I sent it to Jim Smallman actually going, hey man, big fan of your product. I'd love to just give you a few tips and saying, you know, can I help in any way? Uh, I see that you're a grassroots company doing it all yourself. That's absolutely great. Blah, 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 blah. And the response I got was, we do everything in-house. Don't worry about it. Cheers, but no thanks. And I was like, absolutely fine. I'll never bother you again. <laughs> no worries. But again, you got an acknowledgement. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah, greatly appreciated. Um, this hey, is... hey, John, this, this kid's just sent me a message. Should <laughs> I tend to fuck himself? No, just be nice, Jim. All right. Pretty much, you know. <laughs> but um, even today, there is significant problems with the editing. Yes. The audio is bad at times like so for example i went to go see um pumpkin spice uh, progress recently and they had volta versus zack saber jr and they beat the shit out of each other in the main event to the point where the bit that sold it was the noise that they were making when they hit each other <laughs> when zack literally just clean clocks volta in the face the sound of that happening because he's stiffing the fuck out of him and vice versa is what makes the crowd pop it's what gets the reaction um and they still don't have a mic on the ring and it drives me insane. They use camera audio. And so it cuts and you have to cut that audio. And uh, I just think like if you look at the way WWE or New Japan do their stuff, they always have one separate microphone around the ring picking up audio. So you get the noise of the stiff strikes. You get the immediate crowd reaction from the front few rows as well. And like you, you, you can be careful about not picking up people calling spots as well. Like, you know, you yeah. can be clever about it. Um, but like audio consistency, I think would massively improve progress's product do you think some people would say though because a lot of people like progress for the diy outlook and again mm. you're looking at this as a, as a video producer uh, and a, with that sort of head in yeah, yeah and those thoughts in mind do you think if progress became polished a lot more polished do you think that would lose something from their ethos as a product I can only really talk from my own perspective, obviously. Um, I find their production annoying, like distracting at times. Um, there's times when... Um, For the record, Jim Small, this is not Tex Williams here <laughs> for future bookings. <laughs> it, it's not terrible by any means. I just think with a little improvement, it would be much more palatable. I think especially with what you said earlier as well about 700 people for a show paying 15 to 30 quid. Yeah. The profits the company makes... Mm. I mean, from from a video production standpoint, again, not to go too far off the, the card, how much would it cost from a basic level to get the ring mic'd and then into your desk? Mate, to do it like to an outstanding level, a couple of hundred quid, like okay. it would not take much at all. Like literally, you could get one audio recorder, one dude with a microphone or just a microphone, <laughs> you know? Would, you, would, would you hang it above the ring? That's probably the most logical place to put it if you're not going to have it manned. Which then leads me to my next thing. Is it because they can't get it signed off by the ballroom to have it above the ring? Okay. Make it even simpler. You just attach it to one of the cameras. Okay. You have a camera that has an audio recorder literally mounted onto the camera, okay? And then, like, you have one decent microphone and a shock mount above that camera that just runs the whole show. So you have one solid, decent audio track the whole way through the show. I agree with you. Um, start to finish on, on this because I like a polished product that's why I like NXT that's why I like WWE yeah I do also understand why some progress fans would say that if you take away that you're taking away the essence of the project, product but as I said from a video production standpoint someone who's getting into the production for SCPW and seeing what feedback we get yeah I think to myself if it costs 200 quid give it a go because yeah. worst case scenario you can't get on with it you sell it 
I'll, I'll literally send you the details of the microphone. I think you should buy <laughs> if you want me to. Let's go back Just to the match. Touch. <laughs> <laughs> so the All finish right. of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, Webster broke up Wild Boar's attempt to pin Bubblegum with a 450 splash before successfully stealing the pin after um, Hitchman and Ashmore collide for a, uh, sorry, collude for a buddy driver, which is the spike package pile driver, or what they called the Briley driver on commentary. <laughs> I think you've not done this justice. It's a 450 package pile driver combination. He does a 450 off the top rope and lands on him like the, uh, the, the Young Bucks do their Meltzer driver. It's the Briley driver. That's fucking insane. <laughs> like, I, I, the, the match is pretty average, to be totally honest. Like, it's okay. There's some heel face dynamic, which I like. The finish of this match is the highlight oh, of the whole thing. They, they pulled this out of their asses. Like, I'm just like, holy fucking shit. It just did a package par driver, 450 spy combination. That's insane. I also like the, the tip to Meltzer driver. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. The Briley driver. <laughs> I'm going to start hitting the wicked driver. Oh, I love it. This Morgan Webster doing the 450. Oh, words. <laughs> so, uh, wait, hang on. Did you say the finish with the... Yeah, so basically Webster broke up um, Hitzman's pin attempt after the uh, the Briley driver mm. with a 450 splash. 450? Tri- yeah. In inverted commas. 450. It was about 430, really. <laughs> he didn't get the whole way. He lands with his knees on his back. I didn't have my protractor out. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, this seemed really dangerous to me. Yeah, it wasn't great. I thought he'd probably injured Wild Boar by landing knees first after a 450 like onto his spine like this is why he's now had to tag with him forever just to make it up for him <laughs> yeah maybe like i don't know that that seemed painful really painful it didn't look safe did it no not at all anyway so you win his flash morgan webster hooray so handshakes are plenty oh, after the match fucking for fuck's handshakes. sake first section of handshakes we've got in this indie card uh, i don't see what other people see in webster yeah we've already touched on this that yeah. i i understand from an in-ring perspective as we said earlier but character wise and especially if when he was doing some stuff for WWE, they won't get it. Yeah. He'll just be a skinny Brit who isn't as good as Jack Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. So right, our next match is uh, Sebastian versus Damon. This is part of our natural progression series. So it's basically um, new guys coming into the company they want to give an opportunity to, which I think is absolutely great. Um, so Damien Dunn is uh, soon to be Deputy Dunn. And I love his new gimmick brilliant the tag the, tag, the anti-fun police yeah they're amazing they're so good but now, at this point uh damien dunn's a little generic yeah know? black tight sorry black trunks yeah, yeah and that's it so um my immediately thoughts when i see seb coming out in a progress ring is please come back i miss you so much yeah like, one it's of a the, shame he's dropped out recently but one of the best characters they had in the sort of earlier chapters in the first sort of well from when he came with this natural progression series all yeah. the way through Great gimmick, great in ring. Coming out in his Real Madrid shirt, style shirt as well. Yeah, Very Cristiano nice. Ronaldo's. Yeah. <laughs> Geezers! Fucking great. I love the Geezers tag as well. I think it's kind of silly and fun and gives Sebastian a nice opportunity to turn heel later and such, yeah. you know? Ah, it's so good. Um, so both guys, first time in progress, as far as I'm aware. Um, turn down for what? Oh, best theme tune ever. Um, again, I love the use of copyrighted music in this show. I wish we could do it for every show and every company, but maybe it's just not viable. I won't go on a rant about music licensing again because I cut that one from the last podcast. And if you noticed, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's boring. Me going on about music licensing for half an hour. Fuck that. Uh, so Dunn Good luck has... to your video production <laughs> ran earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so Dunn has Bond themed trunks on, uh, which I don't really get. I guess he's British. I, I think it's very much early stage trying to find a character. 
Yeah, absolutely. So fairly back and forth in the match, Dunn uses a pair of scissors to remove the turnbuckle. While the ref is distracted, uh, we get the copyright infringement driver, aka the What's Up from the geezers, like the Dudleys used yeah. to do. What uh, He's like, get the tables! And as they're distracted, they get a code breaker from Dunn where he uses both knees rather than just one. I think he has a move for this name, but I haven't noted it down. Uh, no, I haven't noted it down either of mine. Excellent. So he does a code breaker with both knees. And then Seb goes for the geese to sleep, the GTS. It's like a shoulder roll. Dominator into a GTS. There you go. And for the one, two, three. And your winner is Sebastian. Not a bad match start to finish, but um, it turns out that shortly after this, Seb would drop out of the tournament anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, he drops out in January 2016. Any reason why? Um, no. <laughs> my notes basis are um ending being a bit moot because Seb would drop out natural progression series in january 2016 before the tournament could kick off proper fair enough um do you follow seb on twitter i used to mm, nonsense hunter i love it yeah <laughs> i need this gimmick in my life <laughs> i want him to come back to progress even if he's not going to wrestle but as like a nonsense hunter like he could have got the fucking like london riots out there <laughs> <laughs> damn it i was gonna say that <laughs> not not the one half one. of the london yeah, riots. i was about to say let's be very careful what's their names I cheers strangler davis yeah yeah he can fuck off <laughs> the other guy rob lynch yeah. legend love that bloke he seems legit and nice and everything so next up we've got the sumerian death squad of tommy end and michael dante versus tipton's finest the hunter brothers for the, the tag team titles which are stuck in customs <laughs> what's that about <laughs> so funny I'm so happy so because the sumerian death squad have come from amsterdam holland's like their titles were stopped at the border and weren't allowed into the country. So they've literally got an IOU note that they give to Jim Smallman. <laughs> yeah. If they win the belts tonight, we'll give them to them when we see them, when we get them back. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Oh, I popped huge for this. Mate, the, when he, Tommy comes and does his big entrance, then just takes out a bit of paper and gives it to Jim. Like, this is the IOU, just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, amazing. I mean, worst point of this match would be a case of, you know, Hunter Brothers aren't winning. <laughs> well, I suspect not at this point. Like, so uh, is this the debut at the ballroom for the Hunters, but not their progress wrestling debut as far as I'm aware? Um, the Sumerian Death Squad just stand and stare during their introductions. Fuck yeah, Tommy End. <laughs> I love this tech team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, immediately the crowd is just like, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy fucking End. And then Michael, Michael, Michael fucking Dante, which doesn't work. Doesn't work. Well. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, handshakes again. Why are these people shaking hands? Because instead of bringing them the title shield, they bought them a bit of paper. <laughs> That's the least they could do. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Actually, well, we get to the before we Go get on. to this. What did you make of? Because obviously, to start with, Progress had the scepter for the world title, and they had the shields for the tag titles. They did. I, I, <laughs> I think you've just already answered the question. How did you feel about this slight uh, differential from the norm? Uh, I think it's a nice opportunity at trying something different a uh, nice attempt at trying something different i should say um it didn't work no the tech it's, belts especially i mean a scepter yeah can't really you bring out a staff with a big nazi looking eagle on it and you expect people not to chant <laughs> nazi eagle which they did when it used to come out like how why are you surprised by yeah. this and like they fought for it a long time i think jim smallman fought for it a long time as well it's different it's unique and it's a nice idea didn't fucking work though and the progress belts are fucking gorgeous oh it's a beautiful belt isn't it yeah all of them the women's belt the tags like the the atlas like all of them are absolutely gorgeous looking belts so um good decision to yeah change agreed yeah, absolutely so a small amount of people are chanting you're gonna get your fucking head kicked in which i think is the most underrated chant ever i think we should do more of this and i think other people are dickheads for not joining in you're going home in a ford cortina <laughs> <laughs> 
So this match has generally a slower build than the last two we've seen. But I'm um, not sure really what story they're going for here. Uh, again, maybe a bit of an issue with the uh, Tipton boys. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think... How do you book them? Are they face? Are they heel? Like, they're kind of in that middle... Tween, very tweenery. Hmm. Um, and again, I think that because um, End and Dante were so over, yeah. even if you're trying to book them as heels and killers they'll be like, oh, these guys are so cool. Yeah. So your face team, people want to see him get obliterated, basically. So Dante superplexes uh, the Hunter Bros onto the apron on the outside. I don't know if you know, this is the hardest part of the ring. I've tax. heard that. I've heard, I've heard that that the hardest indeed. part yeah, of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a build and sell of Black Mass by Tommy End. It's fucking awesome. It's not called Black Mass at this point, but I think we can call it it happily. Black Mass. The way he builds the tension to it and then hits it like fucking flushes anything. Huge pop. Like, how do you do this without, like, knocking people out regularly? Spinning I mean, heel kicks, like, ugh. I can't lift my leg above my knee, so I'd never <laughs> be able to be in a position to try it. When he started landing it in NXT and just, like, clean clocking people, I'm like, oh, dude, like, yeah, brutal. Uh, one of the most impressive finishes I think there is out there, really. It's so simple. You when he gave it to Kenta as yeah. well, it just <laughs> walloped him with it. Mm-hmm. People are willing to take it, like, really strongly. Like, yeah, mm, it makes a difference. Uh, big splash by the Hunters for two. Uh, Spike Tombstone by the Hunters gets two. Tommy End Rex falls with another black mass and a whole bunch of knee strikes. Big move in the corner by the Sumerian Death Squad. I don't know how to describe it. Things happen. <laughs> and then there's a double stomp gets two by Tommy End. Then we get a second rope assisted flip over cutter thing called the Antihero. Uh, sick fucking tag move. That's essentially the wheelbarrow suplex into a blockbuster off the top rope. There you go. Nicely described. Very nicely done. Uh, and your winners and still the Progress Tag Team Champions, the Sumerian Death Squad of Tommy End and Michael Dante. Cool little match. Very good tag match to set people into the intermission. Yep, no problem whatsoever with this. Um, I, I get a little bit frustrated when the Sumerian Death Squad start clapping the Hunters as they're leaving. But it is their debut in the company. We need to try and get them over. I think Tommy End maybe knows he's on his way to WWE soonish. Yeah, it's because, uh, again, it was uh, 15, 16 chapters after this that that was his last progress appearance, I think. Oh, yeah, because it was Brixton, wasn't it? Yeah. So maybe he doesn't know at this point. Maybe he might be in feelers, feelers or possibly tryouts, maybe. Mm, interesting. I wonder what how long that process takes for someone to come to you and go, we want to sign you. I suppose because at the time they weren't doing as many European tryouts. So their true tryouts in the year would be um, April and November time. Yeah. So I wonder if someone had come to him at that time and said, we're in Manchester or wherever in November. Would you come to a tryout? Obviously, they've got to keep it hush-hush three, four months away from when they go to the tryout. Mm. year to get signed, maybe six months. I think this um, connection between WWE and, and um, Progress has been very beneficial for a couple of guys. Definitely. Champa. Tommy End. Yeah. And... So I am. Matt Riddle. Yep. Selection. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You don't like Matt Riddle still? Oh, oh look at me. I'm wearing yellow. Oh, I've hit a knee strike in Casano. I'm a he's, fucking prick. He's, fucking. <laughs> oh. he's wearing... What's the guy? Be like water. Famous quote. Be like water. He's a martial artist. Jackie uh, Chan. Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, the other one. Earlier. Bruce Lee. Nice to guess him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bruce Lee wore yellow with the black stripes, right? And then... Um, so did that movies. guy from Tekken. Doesn't mean I like him. <laughs> oh, it's just so cool because he's a legit martial artist and he's decent and a good human being and talented. What's The finish with Chris Hero the other day was awesome! No. <laughs> just, just, I, I think one day you'll get convinced. I didn't like RVD. I'm not going to like modern RVD. Oh, 
that's just doing him such an injustice. Sorry. He's I, so much more than modern RVD. I'm not going to get on board with Matt Riddle until I've seen how many fines he gets, until he starts wearing tights where I can't see what, his for fucking smoking weed? wang. <laughs> for smoking weed? It's just, you know, it's practically legal in America now. I know. It should be fucking legal everywhere, let's I be honest. Just, I, I, I just can't get on board with a man whose shorts are so tight I can see his ass crack. <laughs> <laughs> From the front. <laughs> But women might start enjoying the show more because a sexy man with a huge penis in his trucks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. Let's <laughs> let's move on to our uh, <laughs> our sit down interview. Okay, so we get an interviews with Ginny and Pollyanna. Uh, they never actually mentioned Pollyanna's name in all of this. I don't know if you noticed. There was no, no title. No one said her name. So I was sitting there going, "What's her name? What's her name?" And I remember it's Pollyanna. I um, think you find it's Polly, Polly, Polly fucking Anna. Indeed, indeed. Which uh, is such a shame that she's not involved anymore because she was really good as well. I really like Pollyanna's work. So Ginny talks about fashion a lot. Pollyanna doesn't like Ginny and they're going to have a match at some point. That's basically it. Yeah. There's no real extra storytelling here, but it's nice and to the point. Um, Ginny's character development is so much better than this character at this point. Yeah. Like modern day Ginny, one of the best heels in the business. Agreed. She is top notch. Again, one of the consistent heels as well for progress. It's not many, but she's one of them. And just throw it in there. You wouldn't steal Ginny's handbag. Yeah, you fucking wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's fucking outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, massive she, fan. She was trained by Havoc of the Jimmy variety, not the Jessica. Indeed, at the Progress Academy. Yep. So we've got eight-man Thunderbuster uh, match. No, before that. Go on. For the first time ever, on my notes may be better than yours. Uh, after we have the in-ring promo, we then cut to the ring with Glenn Joseph announcing the retirement of Ali Armstrong due to industry, and Ali Armstrong was the first graduate from the Projo. So, uh, fuck you. All my notes are on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ali Armstrong does his thing. Uh, did you ever see him wrestle? No. Me neither. Um, obviously, the first... Um, Had big arms, though. Yeah, it looked like a star. Yeah. Maybe a shame that he didn't stick around, but through injuries and such, he's had to retire. So, that's a shame. It is what it is. So, we get an eight-man Thunderbuster match with uh, Tommy, Tom Irvin, Nathan Cruz, Damon Moser, El Laguero, Mark Haskins, Marty Skull, Eddie Dennis, and Rampage Brown. So, they're in the ring. Glenn's doing his emotional stuff with... Ali Armstrong. Thank you very much. Uh, and he gets into the crowd. The crowd chant for him and everything else. And then we get a long and lonesome highway east of Omaha. And you're like, oh, I miss the origins so much. <laughs> it's one of my favorite gimmicks, like the heel stable of all these boys. Just fucking excellent. And the origins, Nathan Cruz comes out. After Cruz comes out and does his little bit in the ring, he starts off the uh, the Thunderbars match with Damon Moser, who is a very nice chap. Indeed. Have you really met? good in the ring. Got injured at the tail end of... I think 2016 mm-hmm. um, had something, I think it was his jaw got broken. Yeah. Um, and through what I've heard, progress paid him all the way through, even nice. though he was injured. Which very, again, is another cool. reason why I respect like Glenn, Jim and John, because they yeah. stay loyal to their, their team. Absolutely. So they start off um, and there's a lot of brawling between the four members of the faceless group. Do you think there was a bit of um, heat loss because uh, David Moses' entrance music lost about... 30 seconds before he comes out. Yeah, it's a long, it sort of kills suspense. Suspense is there, suspense goes. When Glenn's like, if you hate this tra- progress training, you're going to hate this one. And then like, it's just like, there's 20 seconds of music and then he comes out. You should have just internet, bang, out the curtain, yeah. get the heat in the ring. Run in, smash done. him down. But, you know, he's, he's uh, obviously very young in the industry at this point, so. So after Brawling Cruz sits out on a fisherman's driver before Moses starts uh, tackling mm, him in the corner. Perfect plex. Um, Spinning perfect plex. I love it. Uh, Camden starts singing Adam Rose's music for some reason at this stage and I was like oh great Weird. more getting themselves over and then third man comes out 
all the way from Leeds. <laughs> <coughs> Not Leeds. Uh, El Ligero. So that basically means it's going to be a two-on-one beatdown for the time being. Heel El Ligero. Yeah. Progress got El Ligero over as a heel. That's fucking excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, what's the name of his tag with Mastiff later on? Ligero? Is it Banter Brigade or something? Yeah, like Banter Brigade, yeah. Banter Mates or something like that. Um, and so basically after the two-on-one beatdown from Moser from these two, um, so yeah, basically uh, the Origin went to work and made short order of our friend Dame Moser uh, with Ligera hitting Air Raid Crash to eliminate Moser at this stage. Yep. First one out. So then entry number four comes in. It's going to be Rampage Browd, Big Lad Wrestling. Yeah. I love Rampage. Now is the time for <laughs> me to rise to my feet. And there's a huge pop from the audience because they know who's coming out. Yeah. Uh, this dude is super, super over in progress at this point. Um, so again, the uh, the two-on-one continues, but Rampage Brown catches Legaro flying off the top rope and drills him straight away with a powerbomb. Uh, Rampage basically overcomes both of them, both of the origin, with a double suplex before Haskins Wait, enters number five. These power bombs from Rampage, Jesus fucking Christ, he's drilling dudes. Yeah, he's working safe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is quite a point. When Haskins comes out, uh, RJ Singh points out that we have the first, second, and third progress champs all in the ring just before Haskins comes out. Sorry, yeah. so I was like, that's a really cool, informative piece of commentary. That's and again, really which is why RJ did so well on this for his de- mm. like debut in progress. Bring him back, definitely. And when Haskins comes out, it basically makes a beeline for Liguero. Um Yeah, Haskins to a face pop. I thought he was heel at this time. Yeah, I wasn't sure mm. at this stage. They've just come out of the Screw Indie Wrestling stable, which was against uh, Defend Indie Wrestling, which is obviously the Welsh boys. Yeah, because that was Eddie Dennis's clothing brand with Mark Andrews. That's the one. Defend yep, Indie yep. Wrestling. And so uh, Haskins being faced at this point, I think is the beginning of his run to that Brixton show. Yeah. And so this is like the, the moment they turn him face, really. And you can see why they push him. There's definitely a positive reaction for him. Yeah. Um, Haskins and Brown go to work over Nathan Cruz of Chops and Nagero attempts a C4L on Haskins which then turned into a springboard powerbomb just in time for Party Marty Wait, hang on hang on let's talk about the springboard powerbomb that's insane where both guys are literally on the second rope and he jumps across sideways to catch him in the powerbomb like, I've never seen that before I haven't seen it since that was incredible yeah really really cool yeah, very athletic to do it and then so after that we get the arrival of Party Marty Scale. <laughs> <laughs> never let a gimmick die marty never let a gimmick die Marty's girl enters the fray and immediately get thrown into the origin but battles free hitting topes on both Cruz and Ligero. at this stage entrant number seven is revealed as the mighty eddie dennis yep and he's greeted with a tope by skull dennis catches him and dumps girl on the apron with a swinging side slam now what can you tell me about the side of the ring apron i don't know if you knew this but it's apparently it's the hardest part of the ring <laughs> there's a t-shirt to come Fucking hell. Uh, at this stage, the ring's starting to fill up quite a lot, so we've only had one elimination at this stage. Um, Eddie Dennis tries to get rid of the origin with the uh, fall away Sam Simone drop combo. Mm-hmm. Um, gets a near fall. Tom Irving comes out to wrap Turn up. Turn down for one. Hello, the geezers. Fuck yeah. Irving hits a stunner on Haskins. This is obviously Seb's partner from earlier in the night. They have a tag team called the geezers. If you don't know, it's fucking great. You should go check it out. Absolutely. But um, hits a stunner on Haskins, Skull, Cruz, but not Ligero. He slaps him. <laughs> Slack. Um, Irving catches him with a small package and eliminates Ligero. As surprising. Um, Very yeah, surprising. Um, and as Irving celebrates, he's kicked in the head by Nathan Cruz and is quickly eliminated. So he gets a pinfall and then gets kicked out for his troubles. I said it's a quick way to make the, um, the origin not the dominant force in this because there's two of them, obviously. Yeah, in, out. 
yep. done and get the gates with, out as well. A newish guy coming across who's a face that like, just all makes sense to me, yeah. And um, they obviously want to make Cruz a star at this point. Like he's been a star, first progress champion, all that sort of stuff, you know. How do you rate him? Um, I think he's a very, very good heel in a high spot indie company because he doesn't quite have the spots of, say, um, a Liguero or a Matt Riddle or whatever, but he's got enough to kind of stay up there and compete with all the guys. Um, I think he's very obnoxious coming, the way he comes across at least, he's very obnoxious and very healy, which I don't think the crowd are going to like. Um, do I find him the most entertaining man in the world? No, but that makes him a good heel for this company. Yeah, I've never really bought into Nathan Cruz. Hmm. As, as we said earlier, same thing with um, Morgan Webster. Very talented in the ring, can can go bell to bell, can put on great matches. But for me, I've very rarely seen decent storyline arcs of Nathan Cruz. That that could potentially hmm. be down to the stuff I've seen him outside of progress have been just one-off indie shots. Yep. So there's not much storytelling. But as I said, I find his character a little bit dull. I like what progress we're doing with him up until about six months after this show. And then from then on, I was a bit like, oh, don't quite see what they're doing. And he's not really on their shows anymore. So I think there's um, definitely an element of they don't know what else to do with him. Yeah, I think if he has another couple of years out from progress and comes out with something definitive to do, then it could work. But I think for the time being, with his run with World of Sport and doing those tours next year, I yep. think he'll be probably tied up quite well with that. And again, yep, probably fair play to him for doing it, because yep. I assume the money for that is decent work as well. It's guaranteed work as well. You'd like to think so. Um, I think once he eventually comes back to progress i think there's a lot of good stories you can tell there with him yeah and he could be a really dastardly heel for example you take him and a zach gibson and tag them together like with the origins sort of elements you know there's definitely potential there but i still think i prefer to see grizzly young vets as a tag yeah me too it's just a, yeah. just an example you know what I mean? yeah. so cruz gets dumped with a, a swinging side slam by eddie dennis and then goes toe-to-toe with rampage brown gets the upper hand eliminating rampage with the next stop driver Mm-hmm. What'd you rate, how'd you rate that move? Yeah. Indie wrestling. Yep. <laughs> uh, as when he did it off the ladder at Wembley, I shat myself. Well, yeah. There you go. Dangerous indie wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> as Eddie Dennis celebrates, he turns around into Nathan Cruz's show stolen, and yep. he's out of the ring. So we've got a load of quick, quick eliminations, which leaves with Cruz, Haskins, and Marty Party Skull. Absolutely. Three still walls of progress. Been here from day one. Girl sets up Haskins and Cruz in the corner. Uh, turned into a Tower of Doom, because, you know, indie wrestling. Yeah, do you notice what RJ called this on commentary? He called it a deckplex or something like that. Ah. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get what he said, because it was um, the audio was a little distorted at this point, because obviously they're screaming and like they're excited and getting into it, but they haven't quite got a compressor on the audio. Yeah. And so a little, sometimes the, the audio is a little bit un- difficult to understand what they're saying. Uh, after this, Cruz lays out Marty Skull with a show stolen, um, but Skull kicks out at two, kicking out finishers, indie wrestling. Yay. Um, and he protests the referee. Skull rolls him up with crucifix pin to eliminate the rest of the origin. I love that because Marty is a dastardly villain and yeah. to just sneak up behind Cruz as he's complaining and to whip him up in the crucifix pin, I was like, yeah, well great. played. Yeah, absolutely. Suits on the character, suits it. Uh, but Marty's kind of like a face villain. Yeah, you know? <laughs> an over-cocky heel, yeah. essentially. So we're down to Skull and Haskins. Um, we've got Haskins rolling out of the chicken wing for a near fall uh, before locking in the stretch muffler. Forces Skull to the ropes. Another chicken wing attempt as Haskins stamps on the arm before a third attempt sees Haskins roll through into a schoolboy and snatching the victory but to become the winner of your Thunderbastard for the second year in a row. 
So after the pinfall and your new Thunder Bastard, Mark Haskins, Haskins uh, kind of leaves the ring and then comes back to challenge who will ever win the main event this evening so he can have a cha- uh, shot at the championship. I don't really like multi-man matches. Right. I very much enjoyed the beginning and end of this match. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy too much the middle. I like multi-man matches when they're very, very carefully planned out and everyone gets their shit in. This didn't really feel like that. Like there was, it was, it was well played out. Like considering how convoluted and compl- complex it could have been. Um, again, it didn't do a great deal for me. No, I think from a story perspective, as it's the uh, the launch of Haskins for his sort progression in <laughs> bad choice of words. Oh, his face turn as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the key players, so Cruz and Haskins and Skull, got their bits in. El Ligero mm. played an important role as like a mid card baddie. Yeah. Um, and as you said, getting Liguero over as a heel. I mean, if you look at the guys in the match, right? Tom Irvin, I can take or leave. Like, yeah. He's a good wrestler, funny, entertaining, whatever. But really, Seb is the standout character. Yeah. Now. I would have liked to have seen Seb in this match, to be honest. Nathan Cruz is okay, but I wouldn't. He's not a draw for me at all. David Moser is essentially a trainee at this point. He just graduated. He's doing his job. So it's like, I'm not really going for him. El Liguero is outstanding, but you see him regularly. You know what he does. Mark Haskins, I've never been the biggest fan of. I think he's very good at what he does, but I think his character development is a little stale. I think he's a little obvious and generic at times. Marty Skull is one of the greatest fucking wrestlers ever. (laughs) Eddie Dennis, at this point as well, is very much a face. Rampage Brown is a big, scary brawler. It's it's not the greatest lineup ever, really. No, and as you mentioned with Haskins not being the biggest draw getting over you can see how much he's benefited from having Vicky Haskins with him definitely at ringside and yeah. also being associated with Havoc in most recent chapters like none of them are bad by any means but none of them are standouts are they yeah apart from my well now yeah definitely yeah, he was on, he was on he was on the curve up then wasn't he well for me like I, I vividly remember watching early progress shows and, and Marty Skull was the match you'd wait for every week he pulls matches out of his ass, doesn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Like for me, he he's very, very responsible for getting eyes on this product as well. Agrees, like everything else we've talked about. So uh, I don't know about you, but I noticed at this point there is only one match to go, and there's still 52 minutes left on this show. Yeah, I'm like, what have they got planned? <laughs> at this stage, I thought, I wonder if we're going to see an axe. Mm. I thought there was elements of that. I thought probably Haskins was going to cash in. Or some bullshit was going to happen and we're going to have another match on the end or yeah. something. But no, we just get one match, really. <laughs> and it wasn't like it was slow-paced, was it? No, it's bloody outstanding. So we've got a no-disqualification match with the Progress Heavyweight Championship of Jimmy Havoc, who's the champion with 609 days on his reign. That's a hell of a long heel run for Jimmy uh, against Will Ospreay. Let's talk about um, Jimmy Havoc in Progress. So they started this gimmick was Book Havoc. You know, he was trying to get on the shows, but he was seen as a deathmatch wrestler and Progress was seen as like a strong style, technical, solid wrestling sort of company. Uh, and so Jimmy would put out these videos on YouTube and like social medias and stuff trying to get booked on Progress and Progress were having none of it. And then eventually he starts to get on the show. He starts to get some opportunities and such. And he fully comes on as a face. And then the second that title comes in the picture, he's full heel. <laughs> and this is the end of his heel run with the championship. Yeah. Um. The way he won the title is that Jim Smallman was made to count the three. Yeah. So Jim Smallman was then the man responsible for giving Havoc the progress title. And they highlight this just enough in this opening package. 
Yeah, it's this is probably one of the best progress opening packages I've ever seen. I'd, I'd agree with that, especially when we talk about their production values three years later from this to now, yeah. to how much they would have learned and how much they would have advanced to what they've got here. If, and, and the storytelling for this, this was perfect. Yeah, really, really quality. This, this match really is the reason we did this show, I think. I agree. Like We talked about it as a changing point, as a starting point for a lot of new Progress fans and such, but I wanted to see this match back again. When we were talking about which show we're going to do, because obviously we wanted to do some Progress stuff because we did AAW last week and we've got Demand Progress. It's kind of like our Demand Progress series, these yeah. couple of pods, you know. <laughs> Um, so Jim Smallman describes this as the biggest match in the history of our company and up until this point I think he's totally on the ball yeah um, as I said the opening package is outstanding so as, as much as I was ripping on their production levels earlier in the pod <laughs> um, this is just absolute quality I don't know if Briley's editing these music video style like opening packages but if he is he's, he's got the ability I'd like to see it done, done more on the kind of the narrative elements of yeah. progress and if it's the first time you're watching Progress, and again, we recommend you go and get Demand Progress. It's like six, seven quid a month. Yeah. If you're not going to start from chapter one, start from here, watch the show, but definitely watch this main event. Yeah. Because I'm not a huge Jimmy Havoc fan. I, I've said this before. Everyone seems to have met him and said he's the loveliest guy in the world, which I think is obviously what helps people buy into his in-ring presence as well. I can confirm this. <laughs> um, but for, for me, I've never... I've never got it. I, I think he's brave. I think he's very good at the deathmatch style that he does because, and it's what he's he's into. And, mm. you know, he's gone off one tournament, so he's obviously not rubbish at it. And I think his character is definitely something that was needed for progress at that time. But I would say easily this is the best match Jimmy Havoc has had in progress. Oh, I'd have to think about the other ones he's had, but it's, it's really good. I really like this match. There's some couple of brutal moments which we'll get to. So after this opening package, bar. <laughs> <laughs> after this opening package, the London Riots come out. Who are our enforcers? Hide your kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rob Lynch is there. Yeah, Rob Lynch is fine. Let's been while. Let's been while this. The London Riot. Rob Lynch. <laughs> the other one doesn't exist anymore. Who? Just write him out of history. He's the London Riot. Rob Lynch. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, so a person who I don't know, and a person who I believe is Chris Ridge, Chris Ridgeway, um, walk out to ringside wearing osprey gear. Uh, they walk up to the entrance and hold up a silver black cape thing. Uh, and I'm thinking, is this quote that's playing in the background from Assassin's Creed? I wouldn't know. I'm afraid you don't really do games, do you? I no. I'm very lonely. <laughs> <laughs> so nice that they're trying new things. Not sure how effective it was. It looked a bit clustered to me. Yeah, a bit unprofessional, a bit rushed. Yeah. Especially with this highlighted by, um, we get ACDC Shoot to Thrill, which is the best fucking music ever. I love ACDC. Uh, and they do Osprey superhero pose as Osprey comes out and he's got a foam sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, nah, just just get rid of the foam sword. If, if he had a plastic one even, or like one from like, they would use in the movie or something, like a blunted actual sword, it might look cool. I like the fact you suggested that the guys come out with a foam sword, but what would make it better if he comes out with a plastic sword? Well, you can get plastic stuff that looks real. Like I've shot... They can't Guns. buy a 200 quid ring mic. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> Will Ospreay is over with the crowd. He is super, super face at this point. And understandably why. He does all right, doesn't he? Um, okay. So undeniably one of the greatest high flyers of all time. Maybe even one of the best professional wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. Will Ospreay, technical and everything else. Who's better? Will Ospreay, Ricochet. Am I only allowed to give those two? You can give a third. 
Pack. Okay. Yeah, I, I love Pack. Yeah. Yep. Pack for me. Okay. Cool. I'll take that. No worries. Now, here's again my usual controversial comment of <laughs> Hooray for Indie Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Will Ospreay is very, very good. Will Ospreay is very good, good in progress. This is not a knock on Will Ospreay. Careful Will, now. No, no, no. <laughs> Will Ospreay's stock rose by feuding with Vader. In, to an extent, yeah. Will Ospreay got mainstream attention in both the US and the UK by having his beef with Vader, which made him a bigger star. I think, and obviously they made a lot of money out of it. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, in that I didn't really see it like that because I was already an Osprey fan. It's hard for me to say yes or no about. Um, I will say that Osprey in New Japan has slowly started to build, become one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. The stories, the matches, the selling, the, the way they're getting into positions and stuff is outstanding. He terrifies me with some of the spots he does. I mean, the man's going to end up in hospital, but that, that's, this is the exact point. Do a lot of people, obviously, again, I don't know the numbers, you subscribe to New Japan World. I do. And he's building his character in New Japan. A lot of people watch progress and have demand progress. That's fine. Generic WWE fan would have become aware and then started following Will Ospreay because he was linked with Vader and they're going, who's Ooh. this flippy guy that Vader's calling out? How many WWE guys actually know who Vader is? I'd say quite a few. Mm, I don't know. I mean, after doing the Super Quiz Pod with a certain two younger members of your roster at the other <laughs> end of the table from me, it didn't seem like they knew a lot about old, old wrestling at all. Ah, uh, they know Vader. You reckon? Because we ram it down their throat. <laughs> is, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but, in, but in all seriousness, I think, I said, when Ospreay would have been fantastic and would begin, would gain himself a world reputation on his own back. But I think it was mm. made quicker by the beef with Vader. Okay. I know you don't agree, but I just, yeah. I think... <laughs> <laughs> well, can you imagine the social media follows? I think it's... Intri- I th- I th- what, I, what I'm I, getting at is I think you're underplaying how good Osprey is. Oh, no, no. I'm not denying Will Osprey's good. Will Osprey... You're saying he got popular because of a feud with a fat old dude. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying his profile was raised. Okay. Right. I'd, I'd say more people knew about Will Ospreay because of Vader than they did prior to his feud of Vader. Okay. And I'd say his social media followers would have shown that as well. So people come out to the entranceway in white masks and bloodied up. One of them is definitely Paul Robinson and their other stable mate who we don't know the name of, or we do, but we can't pronounce it, so we'll just carry on. Uh, <laughs> and Jimmy comes out to, and Jimmy Havoc comes out to AFI. Uh, really, really cool. Absolutely love it. Jimmy's in full red and black tonight. Uh, kind of Darth Maul style face paint. Really cool. Very nice. Yeah, love this production level. Really, really good. Uh, again, I think the entrance was a little cheesy with all the guys standing around and the, the kind of like bloodied up and they've got like fake blood on their chests and such. Well, as we said, it's, it's trying to give it a big match feel, isn't it? Mm. Even though it doesn't need to after the hype video. Yeah, I think to do that sort of stuff, you need a higher production level for it to come off well and not be a little little too cheap. Okay. John Cena, Tommy Guns, <laughs> Chicago. Oh, yeah. I didn't hate that, i got to be honest. <laughs> Batista's gonna be well jealous. So uh you know, Batista, yeah. yeah, cool, just check it. <laughs> so we get a six man standoff in the ring with Jimmy lifts the progress title belt in Osprey's face. because uh, 'cause we've got the riots and Jimmy on riots and Osprey on one side and Jimmy with his stable mates on the other side. So we get announcements and standoff. Uh the camera op can't leave his shutter alone. He's constantly flickering before and it's just 
fucking annoying the shit out of me. Just like, all you need to do is film it in a little bit too dark. Just leave it and it's in post. All you've got to do is boost that a little bit and it would look great. You've gone about me going on about Vader and Osprey. Shut the fuck up and get on with the match. This <laughs> flickering between the shutters drives me insane. Do you not notice it? Do you know what I mean? I'm, I say it? I'm, I'm just an, I'm an invalid when it comes to things like this. Do you not, I'm, I'm really intrigued now. Do you see it suddenly jump in brightness and then get darker? Like in steps? No. You don't notice it at all? No. Wow, maybe it is just me. Okay. <laughs> I, I think to be fair though at this stage um it's it's late at night i'm still trying to watch it i'm still trying to take notes if i'm looking down taking notes and i'm looking up i'm possibly missing when when these clicky things okay. are coming in if you notice uh just general listeners hello my name is rich how you doing this is just to you listeners i'm gonna speak my smooth jazz voice <laughs> cut <laughs> no fuck you if you notice these changes in Progress's production of the shutter going up and down, little brightness increments and then darkness increments, let me know. I'm intrigued whether it's just me. Jimmy flips off Jim Smallman and holds the belt on his face, bringing again back the whole Jim counted the chant for Jim. This is annoying. They're both called Jim. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the crowd chants lots for Osprey. Jimmy, you're a cunt. Jimmy, Jimmy, you're a cunt. Jimmy Havoc's a wanker and all these chants. It's great. <laughs> Glad we put the language advisory at the start Absolutely. of the show. <laughs> Glenn puts over on commentary Havoc's run the fact that Osprey can't beat Jimmy given two opportunities in the past and if Osprey can finally hit the 630 which he injured himself in the past doing on Havoc that he would win the strap very very cool love the storytelling as soon as the bell rings and they start talking this is the first thing they say on commentary and I'm like yes yes good storytelling love it set the playing field nice and early Absolutely. We get an immediate brawl between the two. They fall to the outside. Osprey almost takes out a fan by throwing Jimmy Havoc through the chairs because a fan tries to cross in front of them and he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> just does it anyway. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Uh, Rob Lynch stops Havoc from using a chair twice. Uh, good man. Good, good man, Rob in Lynch. In a no-DQ match. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, um, <laughs> and Osprey sets up a table on the outside. Havoc gets a kendo stick and lays in the Osprey. She gets a shot to the face here where he clean just hits Osprey as hard as he can in the fucking face with a kendo stick. I'm like, ow? That must have fucking hurt. Can't imagine planning this match. So, um, Will, <laughs> got this cane spot I want to do. I'd like to hit you clean in the face. Are you going to, um, oh, don't hold back, Jimmy. Oh, no, don't worry. I won't hold back. <laughs> I won't doesn't. hold back. <laughs> <laughs> Osprey does Sami Zayn's dive through the turnbuckles on the outside to do a DDT. Very, very cool spot. Uh, we eventually get these chants going, even your mum thinks you're a cunt, <laughs> Jimmy Havoc. And Jimmy turns to them and goes, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> and carries on. I thought this was fucking brilliant. Although, big heel interaction with the crowd going, yeah, you're probably right. Is that really heelish? Well, Getting a joke? Uh, I think it suits the character. I yeah, think it's fine. True. I have no problem with it, really. Uh, we get a huge release suplex onto a bunch of chairs by Osprey. Uh, then we whip out the drawing pins. <laughs> ready for the drawing pins. <laughs> Havoc shoves a handful of tacks into Osprey's mouth and punches him in the face with Wait, it. Wait, he shoved a handful of tacks? <laughs> <laughs> hand- tax Williams into his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, get absolute, absolutely brutal burning hammer onto the chairs. To, uh, oh my, he may have killed him on commentary. Really putting this over. Osprey kicks out of this. We get a huge Death Valley driver by Osprey right next to the tax. He doesn't quite hit them, so it's a bit of a shame, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, Osprey's up top. Uh, Robinson and the other person who's in a stable, who we can't pronounce Big the Isaac. name of. There you go. Uh, distract Osprey, and we get a massive curb stomp by Robbo onto Osprey for the one, two, then Osprey kicks out. The other guys fight to the back who are left, so we end up having just Jimmy and Osprey out of ringside now because the other guys have fought to the back. Acid Rainmaker and Osprey kicks out. 
Jimmy goes for lots of pinfalls here because he's determined to try and get this pinfall off the acid rainmaker, but can't get it. Havoc goes after referee Chris Roberts, shoves him, and sh referee Chris Roberts shoves him back. And Jimmy hits the acid rainmaker on the ref out of his shoes. Yeah, I like the when he took the shoe and just launched it to the outside of the ring as well. Yeah, this <laughs> who is throws great. a shoe? Shout out to the fifty-one fifty Conan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we get a table set up in the ring now. We get Cheeky Nando's before it was called Cheeky Nando's. I was like, oh, I marked out for this because they didn't call it. And we get a holy shit. They botch a suplex much. Uh, both guys fall through a table from the top rope after they seemingly slip off the top as they're going to go for a superplex. Great awareness to look after each other on that. You yeah, could tell absolutely. they repositioned everything, landed safely. Nice quick wait and just wait here for a pin. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, like really clever reaction times here. Like this this was scary. We're seeing both dudes slip off the top and the table yeah. right there, but they landed what seemed like pretty safely. To yeah, well protected. So referee Joel Allen comes out and counts the one, two, and kicks oh! out again. We get a shooting star press and a twisting shooting star back to back by Osprey. One, two, and Havoc kicks out again. Like they're seriously going full indie. Full wrestling. indie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... If you're ever going to do it, this is the time to do it. Yeah, it's, it's acceptable in the main event because, again, it's back to the, the early New Japan style. You need to hit two or three versions of your finisher to get the win. Yeah, definitely. Less so in modern New Japan, if I'm totally honest. Yeah. But, yes, in these big main events, so with these big showy-off things, like that's when you're going to be extra determined to make sure you don't go down to these moves and things. So it makes some sort of logical sense, especially with the history and the feud in this match. Um, so I'll do my best to describe this. This is a little difficult to describe. So after a sequence of reversals, Osprey ends up sitting on the second rope, leaning out to the outside of the ring. There's a table set up on the outside beneath them. Jimmy then jumps off the top rope to the outside through Osprey, doing a double stomp while Osprey is laid prone, leaning outside of the ring. To the point where they go through the table to the floor and Havoc's boots literally smash into Osprey's face. Holy shit. This looks absolutely awful. And you could tell because... <laughs> face. Holy fuck. As Osprey was just like teetering and hanging out like slightly above the table and, and, and just pulling pulling the table across just that little extra bit as well. Oh, for, I didn't notice awareness. that. Yeah. Well, well spotted. I was like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. As soon as Jimmy starts to go up top and you see Osprey leaning out to the outside like this, you're like, he's going to double stomp him through that fucking table. Well, no, my first thought was Osprey will just like pull up or slide in and have a course do a dive and go through the table. Okay. How wrong I was. Sydney wrestling, mate. You've got to do double stomps. <laughs> no, but even just double stomp through the table because that would really kill. Yeah. But he's literally landing on his chin upside down yeah. like, on the floor. It's like, pff, you can see why these two maybe don't like each other beyond pro wrestling yeah there's i've heard a couple of times these two have genuine heat outside of the ring beefy beefy <laughs> when one is stomping the other one's head onto the floor yeah maybe all aboard the friendship <laughs> astonishingly osprey kicks out of this maneuver which is insane havoc gives referee joel allen the acid rainmaker taking out his second referee of the night the crowd chant for jim to be the ref as jim in smallman, smallman. <laughs> too many jims uh, Havoc and Jim Smallman are now in the ring face to face each other and we're kind of getting flashbacks to Jimmy's title win massive acid rainmaker to Osprey Jim Smallman counts the pinball for the one two and Osprey kicks out to a massive pop from the whole crowd and Jim Smallman and Jim Smallman <laughs> looks ecstatic um, Osprey hulks up now he's doing the whole like I'm gonna get you I'm gonna do it <laughs> like shaking his arms doing love, the right love a stuff. hulk up at indie wrestling fuck yeah boy and Havoc kicks him in the face to stop him doing it Havoc grabs an axe from under the ring and attempts to behead Osprey <laughs> at this point. That's not a typo. That's not a typo. 
It's ridiculous. Osprey hits a low blow, an acid rainmaker of his own, and Oz Carter and the crowd are going fucking mental. Again, massive acid rainmaker by Havoc. Osprey kicks out of a third acid rainmaker. Jim Smallman is on the verge of corpsing because he is enjoying this <laughs> so much in the ring. You can see him like he's trying to be serious at one point as the camera closes up. You can see the little corners of his mouth just like going up at the edge. You're like, call for the man. <laughs> I can make rent this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. These boys are killing it in this match. Right, we'll get to the finish. So we get Acid Rainmaker reversed into the Flip DDT Essex Destroyer by Will Ospreay. He doesn't go for the pinfall, though. And immediately, the second he looks to that top rope, the whole crowd are on their feet going, you can do it. Go for the finish. You can do it. <laughs> Cut his fucking head off. <laughs> Literally. So six fucking 30 from Will Ospreay for the one, two, three. The crowd go fucking ballistic. Jim Smallman hands over the belt to your new Progress World Champion. Heavyweight champion? Progress World Champion. There you go. Will Ospreay. I wonder whether it was World at this point possibly mm, I'm not sure anyway Osprey oh. celebrates everyone is proper into it dodgy audio noises but I'm going to shut up about that because you keep telling me off and complain about <laughs> the production uh, the crowd chant for Osprey he is ecstatic and super fucking over Jim suggests on the mic that they do a you deserve it chant and the crowd oblige him probably understandably Osprey goes to celebrate with his dad and fiance up the top on the balcony. Can't be bothered to turn the camera around to it, though. Nah, they can't bother to chase it. There's a lot of work to get that on that balcony, <laughs> that venue up in there. Uh, some fans hug Osprey at ringside. It gets a bit creepy at this point. Yeah. You know, when there's random fans like crying and hugging Osprey and You've such. You've done it, buddy. Yeah. You've done it. We did it with you. No, you didn't, mate. No, you didn't. You, did you just <laughs> take that double stop, foot stop through the table? No, you just sat there having a couple of pints in Camden for a night, and now you're hugging a sweaty man <laughs> who probably wants a shower. And, and a snack <laughs> fucking A man uh, Jim Smallman puts over Osprey's contribution to progress on the microphone uh, goes up to the entranceway the roster lift Osprey onto their shoulders uh, and that's the end of the night match was insane Havoc smashed Osprey's face in at times uh, just I, I, it's perfect Really, really, really good main event. Proper build over months and months of action. You've got the beef with the promoter. You've got the beef with the two. You've obviously got the added incentive that, as you made mention to earlier, these two may or may not get on outside of wrestling. So you've always got that extra little bit of edge in the competition because they want to be the better wrestler on the night. Yep. I'd say, as I said, from my standpoint, Jimmy Havoc's best match it's really fucking good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Will Ospreay, outstanding as always. So to finish this off, um, progress-wise, uh, Cornflake rating for the show, please. I don't know. It's a hard one, really. In the, the opening matches were okay, but not really amazing. I liked the um, Sumerian Death Squad. My view of this pay-per-view is, again, mm. the main event made this card better than it was. I liked all the matches. There was nothing in any of these matches that I went, Ugh, at. but there was also equally nothing in these matches that made me go I'd go back and watch that match again other than the main event yeah I think I think this is a three for me yeah I'm I'm going to go with three purely based on the main event main events five yeah yeah I think it's perfect the weight of averages pulls things down a little bit for me mm. and it's the same thing we said about Hello Wembley the main event was outstanding and despite obviously being a progress show for about six hours it made the card there have been much better progress shows than this but i can't recall many better main events yeah i agree with that yeah there, but, there are some really really good ones out there for progress but yeah this is right up there 
And let's just, again, for anyone who is still listening, and I hope you still are, um, this is, you know, we've slated things in this. So production values, I've slated, you know, bits left, right and center for progress. I still think this is one of the best promotions there is. Yeah, I am critical sometimes of the fans and as we get as they become more popular and it becomes a thing to go to progress rather than I want to go and watch wrestling mm. it's now become like tickets to hot popular shows and gigs people want to get them because it's popular to go do you find that there are more people going to progress shows to get themselves over rather than they are to watch the wrestling generally I think they're good people um, they're always very accommodating and very nice whenever I'm there at progress shows uh, I prefer it when there's 4,000 of them rather than 700 because I think they're a bit indie clicky, you know? Agreed. Um, I think there are some people that get overexcited and try and chant too much and try and get themselves over rather than focusing on what's happening. Um, there's There was a post put out relatively recently with someone saying that if you're at an indie show and there's a silence in the crowd, maybe think about have the wrestlers deliberately manipulated their match to create this silence. Because that is an important part in wrestling almost in that you want to get the lulls so that you can get to the highs, you know? There's one chap that comes to every indie show I've been to in the last year that isn't SCBW or something. So the likes of RevPro or Progress or whatever who constantly does slow claps. Like he's the slow clap guy. And I want to tell him to go fuck himself. (laughs) Because every time there's a lull and the crowd is starting to interact, he's just like... And you're like, oh, no more slow claps. Please stop. To the point where like a recent, a couple of progress shows, like he's just been chanting shit constantly and annoying the hell out of me. And uh, I would really appreciate if people wouldn't do that so much. But then I don't want to stop people interacting with the wrestling. You're going out to have a good time and a fun time. And some of the chants are hilarious. But it's it's those ones that aren't hilarious become very frustrating after a while. And that's, that's a thing that I think a lot of people have with indie wrestling in general. Yeah, my feeling of it is... 99% banging crowd all out to have a good time they yep. paid their money so they can do and say what they want but there is also a sense as well for seeing it from the other side is that these wrestlers and athletes are putting their bodies on the line for you mm. and as you said if they've engineered part of the match to have a lull to be able to build it back up shut up and let them tell a story can I just say that 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 phrasing of they've paid their money they can do whatever they want no, no absolutely no <laughs> fuck no you can't go to a show and sit there and spread out across three chairs just because you paid some fucking money. Okay, we're, we're being very literal with the, with the I've term. literally seen someone do this at the last progress show I went to. Were they just fat? <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Four quite big people, I'm going to put it nicely, spread out across about six chairs. They're like, nah, man, definitely not. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Look, like myself, people can't help being outwardsly challenged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, are you kidding me? <laughs> I still use one chair, though. <laughs> well, on that, on that, I'm very appreciative of you using Juan Chair. Juan. We're going to finish off today's episode with a returning favourite in our list of classic games. Ladies and gentlemen, returning after a few weeks out, it's Promos with a Z. Hey. Play that music! <laughs> okay, so on this week's episode... We are going to be doing promos with a Z, the Heart Edition, Brett, Owen, and Teddy Hart. <laughs> As I said to you when you pitched this to me, I'm like, I think I can guess the Teddy Hart ones. I'm not so sure about Brett and Owen, unless they're like very famous. So, promo number one. 
how many and you always forget to do the points sorry apologies (laughs) because i I know the rules as our listeners should know but if you are new to the world of wrestling podcast i am going to read rich five promos from the three individuals we've mentioned teddy hart owen hart and bret hart you get a point for everyone you get right and to win today rich needs to get three out of the five promos to win we'll still do all five even if i get the first three wrong of course (laughs) you can play along at home promo number one I don't care how many titles Triple H wins. He can never lace my fucking boots up. Period. <laughs> it's got to be Brett. It is Brett Hart following Triple H's rating being higher than his in a WWE 2K video game. <laughs> <laughs> Would you know where this was from? Was it a book or was it literally an interview? This or? is an interview. Oh, amazing. Nice. Thanks. Where, where someone had basically quizzed him about well, how do you feel being rated lower than Triple H in the video game? <laughs> Brett's not bitter at all, is he? Definitely not. <clears throat> okay. Promo number two, you are 1-0, and oh, so well done, you are two points away from victory today. Cheers, mate. Promo number two, you need someone to take the heat off you. I haven't seen anyone mess up Calgary, Alberta, Canada in 25 years and announce Brian Pillman instead of me. <laughs> someone take the heat off you. It's got to be Owen. This was actually two weeks ago at an indie show between Teddy Hart and Rich Swan, and the announcer, as Teddy Hart was accompanied by Brian Pillman Jr., announced Brian Pillman instead of Teddy Hart. I thought maybe it was Jr., but like, yeah, okay, so that was Teddy, obviously. Okay. God damn it. So, one and one. Promo number three. Please note, this is not a misread. This is a slightly botched promo. Okay. Okay. I could have won that match. I don't need you out there with a bad leg. You're too damn selfish. And that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg. And that's why I kicked your leg out, out of your, your leg. leg. <laughs> oh, India. Yeah, yeah. Best promo ever. <laughs> I kicked the leg out of your leg. <laughs> so you're two and one. You need one to win out of these next two promos. So promo number four. Thank you for including that promo. No problem. <laughs> that's the best. No problem. Uh, promo number four. I see these guys. They throw a guy into the ropes and they do a backflip and then clothesline the guy and it looks stupid. Why don't they just clothesline the guy? Oh, so it's either Brett or Teddy. But if it's Teddy says some fucked up shit because seeing Teddy's done like a million flips before he's done a bunch in a clothesline in the past. Oh, I don't know. Let's go with Brett. Actually, Owen Hart. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, discussing things in just the general sort of state of affairs in WWE in the 90s. Damn, okay, fair enough. So you're two and two. Mate, Owen's like convoluted compared yeah. to a lot of <laughs> yeah. guys at that time period. So, promo number five, the decider okay, for yeah. the victory on this week's episode of the World of Wrestling Podcast. I'm two at two at this point, aren't I? Yeah. You are. Promo number five for the win. Don't you just hate that? When I talk about being the best, well... You know that the rest of the world feels about the United States of America. You make me sick. <laughs> I'm going to assume this from Brett's heel run in WWE. So let's go with Brett. You are correct, sir. Yeah, awesome. 3-2. You are victorious in this week's episode of Promos with a Z. Winning. Yay. Excellent work. Uh, I want to say at this point, uh, we recorded our Super Quiz Pod episode this Sunday just gone. Sunday? Yes. Yeah, this Sunday just gone. And it was really really fun i want to thank everyone for coming out to do it with us uh we had two teams three teams of two people each 
Uh, and I think everyone contributed a lot and was funny and entertaining. Brought some cool stories to the table as well for one truth. Our truth three kid. I can never pronounce our convoluted name. For this <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to be released New Year's Eve in the Sunday before New Year's Eve. So uh, Sunday the 30th of December. In time so you can listen to it before Wrestle Kingdom or in the celebration of Wrestle Kingdom and the New Year's and Christmas if you're bored sitting at home with nothing to do. So <laughs> hopefully that's a nice extra episode for you. Um, I've edited that already and it's come out really quite fun. I'm very tempted to add loads of audio production to it and such, but I'm just like, no, nah, let's just keep it simple. Let's just keep it, people talking, you know. What we we need to build up for the next one for the WrestleMania weekend version. Absolutely, yeah. If this one actually gets ratings. If no one listens to this, we're not <laughs> going to be doing another <laughs> quiz. Mate, fuck that. I, I'm absolutely determined that we're going to be doing at least two of them a year. Do one for Wrestle Kingdom, one for WrestleMania, and we think we've agreed to do one for SummerSlam as well. I think so, yeah. Okay, so there will be opportunities if you want to come on it. This is the one that we're going to have other people on. And uh, we're looking at having some interesting names for the next one as well. I have already snagged a very, very good name for the uh, the second Super Quiz Cup. And we're going to look search for some knowledge. <laughs> Knowledgeable people now to come in and do <laughs> yeah. this. It's going to be good. So uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find my personal stuff at Rich Be Thy Name on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. Uh, I'm at the Tex Williams on Instagram and Twitter. But best way to interact with us is follow the podcast on Twitter at World of Rest Pod. That's W R E S Pod. Uh, you can find all of our links to all of our iTunes, Stitcher, Acast at World of Wrestling Podcast.com. We're also on Facebook, just search for World of Wrestling Podcast.com. Uh, send us likes, send us suggestions for shows. Um, also, because we'll uh, have a shutdown probably over Christmas, we're going to record a couple of bonus episodes to release over the Christmas break if we're away, etc. So if there are movies, if there are specials, Mm-hmm. I've got some in mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, some more cringeworthy stuff for us to review wrestling movies as if it was a wrestling show. I think we've got to do a purely exclusive Christmas episode, don't we? I am going to throw it out there that at Christmas we will be reviewing ECW's December to Dismember. No, no, yes, it's not a proper yes, show. yes, it is a proper show. But that could be like a numbered show. I think we should yeah. do a bonus Christmas episode as well. Oh, no, we will. Like a Christmas-themed wrestling movie. Oh, yeah. I've got a few of them. I can't <laughs> fucking wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to those. Uh, yeah, as I said, check out waterwrestlingpodcast.com for all the updates and all the links to everything else, pretty much. It's the easiest way to find us. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye.